0: Welcome back, listeners, to a new episode of J Cos Presents Sound Sociology in Conversation with. And today, I'm in conversation with Dr. Socrates. Welcome. Thank you. Hello, Sunny. Hey. Uh, it's absolutely brilliant to have you on. We um, we met last week, um, that's right, yes. and we were looking at how sociology and how film studies cross over. Um, and obviously, that's the subject that you teach. Um, I would like to know. Um, what got you into into the subject? Why, why this subject?
1: So I embarked on my undergraduate studies by um, studying history, politics, and English literature mm-hmm. as, a, as a combined arts degree. Mm-hmm. Um, and, the, and the joy of looking at each of those subjects was always to look at it from the perspective of the other. So to be able to examine Victorian literature by understanding mm-hmm. Uh, Dickens um, England and you know the social political context there that that seemed to um, plug in some of the gaps of knowledge um, for me as a a, a reader of literature and then working back the other way sometimes a a literary piece can be a a window onto the world of politics or culture or society. Um, Having finished and become a postgraduate Um, I I became more interested in cross-disciplinary or interdisciplinary ways of looking at the world and looking at some of the big issues. Um, I don't think a single discipline, um, no matter how thorough or passionate we are about history or science, uh, sociology, film studies, I don't believe that a single focus can fully expand our understanding of the big ideas, the big themes. Mm -hmm. And I'm also a collaborative worker. So by looking at a film, I can learn something about the society or the history um, of the country that made it or the director. It seems to me that film is one of those subjects that intersects with so many other disciplines that if you watch imitation game, you might understand something about the world of science yep. as well. So I think for me, uh, film studies as an area to explore allows me to be a bit of a historian, a bit of a sociologist. Um, and also, uh, something that film does that I think satisfies most of us is it, it enables us to construct an understanding of the world on the screen it tells a story it constructs a narrative um, and and that I think still has a value in spoken culture culture. I
0: I mean it's really interesting because we're in a you know educationally speaking we're in a in a time period where it's important to have breadth and depth of subjects and and I think having a subject like film studies is incredibly important not just in its own individual merits but how it helps to facilitate other subjects Um, from my point of view um, film studies is a is a lens for no pun intended into all the topics we look at in sociology whether it's you know we're going to talk about in today we're going to talk about um, social realism within films and I think it, it massively overlaps with what we do in sociology so I guess I want to jump up um, jump in and say um, what does social realism mean
1: uh, in a spe- specifically, in in film, social realism, capital S, capital R, is actually a style that's replicated in a film. Uh, but in terms of the themes and content, um, one would expect to come away from the high concept, fast-paced uh, narratives that you know we see and enjoy in a blockbuster, yeah. um, and to be taken to a, a much smaller world, uh, more of the everyday. Um, You know, one person's uh, individual story, trials, tribulations, uh, dilemmas, predicaments. Um, In terms of British social realism, Mm -hmm. um, we we have directors like Mike Lee and Ken Loach, um, they come to mind because they have kind of fostered the the style uh, in British cinema. Uh, And British social realism um, incorporates films which focus on the everyday. Um, on everyday lives and everyday people within an environment that is very ordinary Um, one can expect uh, visually um, uh, terraced houses in a a northern context for example in some films like East is East or in a kind of loving uh, space is important um, where people's lives become claustrophobic because they're limited by um, their class or, or the lack of opportunity. Uh, one encounters um, themes around family, um, around dysfunctional families to say the least, and you know, relationships. Uh, and uh, one doesn't always expect to, uh, the film to end or the narrative to end, um, giving you any sort of answers um, to. Uh, or, or a happy ending dare I say or a, or a closed ending and in terms of, just briefly in terms of the, the film aesthetic and the, the, the medium's specificity um, there'll be lots of long takes uh, so one can uh, engage in the Dialogue and explore the environment. Environment is key. Uh, a small living room um, with all the paraphernalia of a, a working-class life, for example. Uh, Low-key lighting. Uh, no fast-paced editing. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's uh, that won't. It won't give you kind of the thrills and spills mm-hmm. of a blockbuster because the focus is on unraveling ideas uh, and perhaps the conflict that will emerge in the dialogue of the characters.
0: I think you you talk about. Um Social realism will pick up on themes of of social class, um, ethnicity, gender, the relationships that go on in the micro, like the way that family members might interact with one another. I think it's incredibly um, important that we pick up on that because that's actually something we study in sociology. We look at the sociology of family and we look at how um, power dynamics, whether it be husband and wife or a married couple, cohabitating, children's relationship with their parents and vice versa... Because all of this is, is kind of you know what makes the daily the daily uh, elements of our life, the way we interact with one another. Um, one of the things that I'm kind of really would love to know about is you, you mentioned Ken Loach and Mike Lee. Are there any particular films um, that emphasize um, these elements of family relationships and the conflict and power that can happen?
1: Absolutely, there are several I'm just going to perhaps pick on a couple Uh, In terms of Ken Loach I want to talk about Sweet Sixteen because it makes uh, use of a dysfunctional family context Um, It tells the narrative of a young man, Liam who grows up in Glasgow um, on the industrial side of Glasgow Uh, It's about a a working class uh, environment uh, and the impact of, um, on, of environment on someone's life chances or lack of life chances So whether it's um, Liam uh, we almost feel is um, is kind of fated not, not not to succeed from the beginning um, in terms of overlap with um, sociology, for example, it would be an excellent opportunity to look at how a dysfunctional family um, limits the opportunities of a, of a young individual like Liam. So Liam's mother, is um, Jean, is in prison when we first meet her. Um, she is in a toxic relationship, in a coercive relationship with a controlling man, Stan who in fact asks her to drug pedal for her and she takes the hit in prison um, Liam is entirely on his own he, he plays truant uh, and s- turns to petty crime and then drug dealing uh, as, a, as a way of finding his way in the world, as a way of sustaining um, himself materially and only has an older sister who's a single mother herself. Um, so it's a, it's a fantastic micro study as you say of one family which could be representative of other families where um, the system, and this is really important for Ken Loach, is that the system has let these young people down because you've got welfare. There are no adults who are Checking in on Liam, he's truant. The school doesn't um, pick up on his absences. Um, where are social services? Is only fifty. I think it's a real critique mm-hmm. in terms of the social realism aspect. We have to remember that Ken Loach um, invites us to critique the system.
0: And I think this is where you know, from a sociology point of view, we at GCSE we look at topics like sociology of families, sociology of education, and we have to within those topics we are really critical about how effective those institutes are. You know, we can we can talk about the positives of of both of those institutes and what they do, but really families and education are only as effective as the kind of weakest link within it. And what I imagine, you know, with with films like Sweet Sixteen is it really highlights actually how fragile some of those institutes are in in supporting young people in challenge in challenging circumstances, and I think with films like Sweet Sixteen, um, it's it's a really good way to show students here are social problems we are engage, engaging with in in life. You know, we'll talk about um, you know we, we're talking about it in the context of families, but the, that film also talks about the wider issues of like of life chances in terms of employment, life chances in terms of their surroundings and how encouraging is it of, of, of one of social mobility or is social mobility even seen as something that is something to be worked towards. I think within sociology and within what you've spoken about in Sweet 16, I think they really complement each other um, because it allows, I think, for a sociology student to be able to, to pick up on these concepts and fundamentally be able to go, actually are the systems working at the best they can. Um, You also mentioned Mike Lee films, just out of interest are there any Mike Lee films that uh, do similar things in terms of uh, picking up on family dynamics or the difficulties of family dynamics?
1: Yes, absolutely Mm -hmm. Um, my students are currently studying secrets and lies and they couldn't really engage with the social issues at the heart of um, this narrative without a a wider understanding of Britain in the 1990s. Mm -hmm. Um, At the time, uh, the focus was on class conflict Mm -hmm. rather than race. So by putting class first, we might engage some of the implicit ideas um, that Lee Lee, um, develops. But, of course, um, the notion of intersectionality is key in understanding how conflict in the family is generated um, through uh, three really important concepts, uh, gender, class, and also race. Mm -hmm. So it's a a film about a deeply, um, according to the character, shameful secret that comes to light uh, about... um, a mixed relationship that leads to uh, adoption, um, you know, secrets and lies. And I, I think the um, as the narrative uh, uh, builds up and, uh, and unravels, we're really engaged far more with how those different issues interact. Particularly as we see uh, Cynthia, who whose backstory is well, she she had to give her child up for adoption, uh, but as a woman, had very you know, little choice. Uh, as to as to as to her body, as to as to her chances, um, her the dynamic between her and her brother Morris is shifts because he is upwardly mobile, socially mobile. She lives in South London, is a single parent, has struggles, uh, works in a factory. He's uh, he's enterprising, has his own business. He's kind of very much. Um, on the up you know on the up has a new house, the idea of the north south divide not so much uh, in terms of nationally but in terms of you know north London and South London is there to kind of symbolize um, his newly required wealth and perhaps his his mobility as a member of the middle classes his wife doesn 't work, uh, but as we begin to kind of delve deeper, we understand that. Uh, his his wife uh, Monica would love to love to have a child. So again, we see the conflict between gender and class com- come into focus. Now, um, race is, is is a vital issue um, because uh, Hortense uh, seeks her biological mother in in the film, and it becomes a way of understanding what was going on in the in the 60s through the lens of the 1990s
0: yes I think that's you know this is where um, social realism within films I think deals with some of the sociological issues we talk about from that fantastically Um, there's many there are many films uh, I think we could also talk about we could talk about uh, sorry, the other might leave film. Sorry, uh, missed Ken Loach. It. Ken Loach. Sorry. Yes. Uh,
1: sorry, we missed Stu.
0: you. And you know how that also talks about kind of the the struggles of gig economy uh, work through through delivery services and and how the struggles in terms of very unstable workplaces. Um, I think this is what's interesting is the idea that these these films touch on reality of what life is and they are very much not um, sugarcoating anything in it and I think as much as one can, can kind of look at it and, and go well it's a bit bleak and I don't want to don't want to be engaged with this because I'm looking for a, be, a bit of escapism I think it's important for sociologists and film study students to watch these films because it also tells us about um, our perceptions of from from the film director who is making it at that point in history of how we look at those issues yes. um, and that's why I'm, I'm probably going to skip along to a different question here which I know we had later on but how important is it in terms of when a film is made by the director versus the time period it's looking at and I guess what I mean by that is some of the films we have mentioned look back on, on social realism issues such as gender inequality and they're kind of made you know whether they're made in the 90s looking back on the time period where gender inequalities was even more strife than what it was um, how important is that in terms of our understanding of, of these issues
1: i think it's um it's a very good question it's uh, vitally uh, important if we take a film that was made um several decades after the event um a, a film like *Made in Dagenham*, which was made uh, um, to cover the events of the Equality Act and yeah. to look at the the, the huge um, efforts of women working in the in the car plant um, and how they um, advocated for equality of pay, mm-hmm. um, um, and that was set in the 1970s uh, yeah. And it did eventually uh, all their efforts, their, their kind of their their industrial action. Uh, and their voices and their campaign which took them to Parliament did in fact um, impact on on the legislation that led to some uh, gender uh, equality in terms of pay, then I think the value of a film that is made after the event is perhaps to give us a sense that sometimes history does move uh, in in the way of uh, progress Mm -hmm. Um, and uh, it can give us that sort of um, sense of that's
0: how it was then and things have got better. It, it's so it's lit, not one of our questions but, and I know it's definitely not a social realism film at all But because uh, I don't think Dolly Parton does anything with any form of social realism but it, it has just bizarrely made me think of 9 to 5. Oh yes, yes and, yes. and kind of, it's interesting because that is a film. Yes. And I say, listeners, 9 to 5 is definitely not a social realism film but in a weird way you know, it's it's talking. That film is about working the equality of women. Uh, a film that's set in the late seventies, early eighties, yes, and yes. made in that time period as well. Yes. I just wonder, like how, like how effective is a is a film like that in commentating yes. on the progress? Of women, Again, I know it's well, not social realism, but... But
1: without being too highbrow, I think we, we, we do really need to appreciate that in the world of culture and, 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 and film is a vital mm. artefact sometimes, mm. that the comedic space can be a really vital, uh, a, a vital creative and imaginary space mm. um, to present with humour and with sort of perhaps characters who are uh, not as uh, close to life, or or perhaps a kind of bit larger than life. Yeah. I, I, I think I think they can. They do have a place. They do have a value in spotlighting some of those you know, bigger issues, those serious issues. I think there's always a value, isn't there, in bringing to light something that might be a little politically charged, or mm-hmm. um, and it doesn't have to always be in that style of, of of Ken Loach who will feel make you feel quite bereft at yeah. the end of it, you know, he um, um, he won't provide all the answers. I often find that the Ken Loach films are almost like a sociological experiment mm-hmm. or a sometimes dare I say even a political treatise. If you've watched I Daniel Blake mm-hmm. then you'll know that there isn't there isn't that reflection there. It's not like the makers of Major Dagonum where they've had the benefit of two or three decades of social and political progress uh, to reflect on. Sometimes I think it has to be of the moment. Mm -hmm. Um, It has to be an immediate gut response to, this is not right, I'm going to call it out, I'm going to call the Conservative government uh, to account. I don't want a political treatise, but I do want to make it slightly more palatable and, and I want to I want to create characters on the screen who are living these injustices who have to move because of the bedroom tax, which yeah. is what um, Habitini,
0: Daniel Glay. Yes.
1: Yeah. Uh, and I want to mobilise people's thinking and I want to raise their awareness. Not not through a political manifesto, which maybe very few people would would uh, read and digest. We want to make it slightly m- more palatable mm-hmm. by creating a, a story, a, a story of a young woman with her children and a, a slightly more senior mm-hmm. individual who has to endure some of these injustices mm-hmm. uh, and let the let the viewer, let the spectator um, engage with the issues and feel the rage.
0: I feel like with all the film, you know, especially with the Ken Loach and Mike Lee films. Um, you know, we started the episode by talking about like the, the themes of like how family appears in it and I kind of just, and I know I'm the one who's kind of dragged us off but I'm gonna pull it back. But it's interesting that you know in, in these Mike Lee films, in these Kent Loach films, these are this is the everyday life of, of, of people and the the fact that you say that these films have to um, show us what are the, are the issues of what's going on with people now? I think it's incredibly important. I, I think you know the question I initially asked was about like, does it matter when the time period it's, it's written in? And I think from I, I remember our conversation before the podcast, and I think I was quite cynical. where I was like, well. It's great when you can make a film three decades on and go, oh, look at how advanced we are now. Look at, oh God, look at how silly we were to be like that three decades ago and treating women like this and or, or, or the idea that, oh, a man couldn't look after a child. I think those films are good because it does show progress, but there is also a little bit of where i as I say, very cynical, where I go, well, how far have we come? Because some of these issues still... Happening, and and I think films done by Mike Lee and Ken Loach really show us that you know, the question like, how far have we come? Like, is there still further to travel, or do we have to be happy? Like, do we have to be happy with what we've got? Do we have to, and how do we still challenge uh, the thinking of the time?
1: Well, uh, this is the historian now in me, so, so, um, you know, spotlighting, um a narrative you know in, in 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 a film sense is it gives you part of the answer but but sometimes a historian has to be somewhat a, a, a relative and understand the context of, of the times and that ideas do evolve and where we've looked at an issue perhaps as a Marxist entirely through kind of class struggles. We, th- we then learn to assimilate them through gender struggles and then we learn to assimilate them through intersectionality and to understand working class struggles of a black community. I I. I bel- I'm more of an optimistic historian that the history is a history of progress and it's a history of, ev- of the evolution of ideas and understanding um, with subtle turns. and sometimes one gets a dip and then one gets a kind of a surge again and I think what film does is it allows us sometimes uh, implicitly through the through the timeline of moving backwards and forwards Uh, again that's what that's that's the wonder of a narrative particularly on the big screen is to create those timelines for you
0: um i'm conscious that we are approaching towards the end of the podcast yes absolutely um i guess one of my final questions really is um and i feel i feel like you've maybe answered it is there a how how do you see films that are done with a, with a sense of social realism, like Ken Lowe's, Mike Lee, what can they, or how can they help us to become more hopeful of a better future in dealing with some of the social problems we spoke about, whether it be gender, social class, ethnicity, race...
1: That's a very difficult question to answer in absolute terms, simply because if if one goes to the evidence, and the film will be the evidence, they will often um, leave us feeling... um, uh, asking... asking more questions mm-hmm. uh, we will get to the end of a, a Mike Lee film or, or a Ken Loach film uh, and uh, we're not given the sugar-coated Hollywood ending there's very seldom a closed narrative um, I, I did say when we had our pre-podcast um,
0: discussion <laughs>
1: yeah. yeah, that you, you almost feel that if you knocked on the door or you, you, you peered through the window of the lives of the characters in social realist films that their life would almost continue in parallel to to yours, and I think that perhaps is the value of these films that they won't necessarily give you the the, the closed um, narrative ending, but what what they have done is really shaken up your thinking around identity politics, around uh, the role of gender and how it intersects with class uh, and and race, for example.
0: Oh, okay. it, well, sorry i I think you're absolutely right the, you know speaking from a sociologist's point of view the fact that it raises questions which provokes more discussion i think that's got to be one of the real positives of of any of these social realist films we we've been talking about it today um it i i will sit say off the cuff, like um, the back of our pre pod chat, I was I went off and I've added to my favourites on my on my Amazon Excellent. Prime, I a whole load of Ken Loach and Mike Lee films. Yes. And and I find myself making my way through those films going, it's made me question my attitudes towards certain so things to do with class or to do with gender or to do with ethnicity and and become more complex in my thinking about these aren't just standalone concepts. They are things, as you put it, are intersection, are intersection or intersectionality. And and I think if I was a, a young person listening to this right now, I'd be trying to ensure I have a bit more of a nuanced thinking towards these issues. These aren't just standalone things. These are things that cross over one another. And what Mike Lee and Ken Lodge do is actually... Raise the question within ourselves so much that we have to question our own how have we our own attitudes and our own ways of how we've got to the conclusions we've made, and do we need to rethink um, our attitudes towards these towards things like class and gender and ethnicity?
1: But perhaps also to appreciate. Um, I don't want to kind of put it in that cliche but the personal is always political and the political yeah. is always in that what happens at work impacts at home what happens at home spills out into the, the, the wider public space so if you're on a zero hours contract and you can't see your son yep. he's going to be truant at school yep. um, and so those spaces are very nuanced mm-hmm. our lives intersect uh, our public intimate life will intersect with the public face uh, that we, you know, we, 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 we traverse. Yeah. Uh, and I think this is what British social realism does. Just as the terrorist house is cheek by jowl that your neighbour can hear you arguing with your husband, mm. I think that the, the idea with, with some of these films, not all of them, are that our lives will always intersect. Um, just as some of the subjects that students will study intersect so that we can put them under the lens and better understand them by making the connections what we don't want is to be thinking in boxes i think Um, absolutely
0: Absolutely. i have one last question i hope i've got enough time um We've spoken about loads, of, but um, are there any uh, films, documentaries, TV shows, websites, books you would suggest that if people wanted to engage with uh, social realism?
1: Yes, of course. So BBC iPlayer, lots of films, Channel Four films as well. So those are if you if you have a. TV at home and you don't need to subscribe some fun films, East is the East although some aspects are a little Quite. cutting a little cutting there but uh, it has got the representation of younger characters, uh, Bend It Like Beckham a really fun film Anita and I um, and then Try the BFI uh, website, it's got plenty of films, BFI iPlayer with lots of concessions for under twenty fives to enjoy films for free uh, go to the South Bank over the summer National Film Theatre
0: <laughs> Fantastic uh, thank, you. Um, thank you for being on the episode today, it's been great having you here, uh, ladies and gents you have been listening to Jay Cos presents Sound Sociology in Conversation With see you on the next episode